Okay. So we are starting today a new essay. And this essay, the fourth essay in this section, is focusing on the concept of refining the sparks that have fallen into our world, which this is based on the idea that it says in the Midrash that God created worlds and destroyed them, which Kabbalistically has explained that there were spiritual worlds. We're not talking about physical worlds here. There were spiritual worlds, divine attributes, divine emanations that existed and then crashed. The world that we call the world of Taihu, the world of chaos, which experienced a shattering of the vessels because of the intensity of the light in the spiritual reality and the inability of the vessels in the spiritual reality to contain these lights. And thus, the vessels shattered and the shards of these vessels fell into our reality, what's called the world of Tikkun, the world of rectification, of order, where our job is to extract the sparks, these supercharged sparks from the world of Tohu, the world of chaos. And of course, this wasn't a divine accident. It wasn't like, oops, God didn't realize something here. This was deliberate. Deliberate design was to create a world of godly energy so intense that it would shatter and the shards fall into our world. The advantage of these shards is they're supercharged. They're from the world of chaos. They have far more energy levels than our world. And the advantage is that we in this world serve God with physical objects in which are embedded these sparks and thereby release the sparks and cause, cause a tremendous surge of energy to come into our world. <clears throat> so generally speaking, we think of extracting these sparks through performing action-oriented commandments in which we use physical objects and within these physical objects are these sparks of the world of chaos. And through doing the commandment with these objects, we're disencumbering the hidden sparks from their physical husk and elevating them. But there are other ways as well. You can also extract the sparks through Torah study. And you can also extract the sparks through prayer. Now in this essay, the Rev is explaining the statement of a Kabbalistic work, a Kabbalistic work written by Rav Chaim Vital and based on the teachings of the Arizal HaKadosh, the great Kabbalist Rav Gloria, who explains that nowadays this extraction is primarily through prayer. And primarily prayer is going to allow us to disencumber these sparks. And what the Reb is going to explain here is why. So the Reb explains that even though we could view Torah study as superior to prayer, but through Torah and through mitzvahs, through the commandments, your study of the Torah, your fulfillment of the commandments, draws down extra godly energy into the highest spiritual world, the world of Atsilas, the world of being. Through your Torah study, you're drawing down the divine intellect into the world of being because everything is measure for measure. Since Torah study involves my human intellect, the heavenly echo of this is a revelation of the divine intellect. 
when I do the commandments, I'm drawing down into the six emotive attributes in the world of Atsilas, in the world of being, more energy. Then what happens? I'm not in the world of being. I'm on this physical reality. So then what happens? So then that divine intellect that I drew down into the world of beings through my Torah study ultimately trickles down into this physical world and is invested in the Torah in this world. Similarly, that divine energy through my commandments that I drew down into God's six emotive powers in the world of being ultimately is vested in the commandments in this world. So that means that from this perspective, my Torah study and my fulfillment of the commandments are affecting Torah and the commandments in this world. But they're not affecting the material of the world itself. That's not what they're reaching. But prayer affects the material of the world itself. Why? Because prayer is eliciting the infinity of God to come directly into our world, not by being invested in something else. In other words, when I studied Torah, my Torah study drew down God's intellect into the divine intellect of the world of being, which then engulfed itself into the Torah of my world. And similarly with commandments. But by prayer, I'm reaching God's infinity and it's coming directly down not in being invested in some divine attribute, which then is invested, it's coming directly into my world. And it's changing the reality of my world. My Torah study changes the spiritual energy of Torah in this world. My commandment performance changes the spiritual energy of the commandments of this world. But my prayer changes this world. In other words, if you pray for someone to become healthy, and they become healthy, something changed in the physical world. You pray that someone should have success and have bounty, and they have bounty. Something changed in response to my prayer. When I study the Torah or do commandments, I'm not changing the physicality. I'm drawing down godly energy. I'm doing something very important. But I'm not changing the physicality. You could say, well, no, if you um, write a Torah scroll, you change the physicality. There was parchment, now there's ink, and now it has the holiness of the Torah. That's true. But what's happening then is that the human being is doing something to affect a change in the physical of this world. But through prayer, God changes the world. In other words, my prayer isn't what's changing the world. God is changing the world through my prayer. If I succeed in bringing about a change in the world through prayer, I was praying for someone sick and they became healthy, my prayer didn't make them healthy. My prayer elicited God's energy and God made a change. God made them healthy. And that's what we're saying, that prayer uniquely reaches God directly, that his light comes and affects change in our physical world. So what gets God to do that? The degree that I reach out to him. In other words, he's responding to my energy. Just as we said before, through my Torah study with my human intellect, 
I'm arousing God's divine intellect. So right now, my prayer is eliciting God because when I'm praying, I'm giving God my infinity as much as is my capacity. Obviously, I'm inherently limited and my infinity is limited and my infinity might be different than your infinity. But each person, as for their ability, is praying for something significant. They're squeezing themselves to give God their limitless energy. As we say in the Shema prayer, we have to love God with all your might, with all your infinite capacity to love. So when I squeeze myself in prayer to pull out my infinite energy, this is going to elicit the same in God. So God is going to pull out from his infinite energies to draw down this infinite light to make a change in our world, which would mean, obviously, if you're praying with half a heart or half a brain, it's not going to happen. God's infinite energies are not going to be elicited, and the change you would like to have happen isn't going to happen because God only can respond to our initiative in prayer. So my initiative has to be from my infinite capacity to love to allow God to give us from his infinite energies to make a change in this world. And this is really arousing. When I pray this way, it's arousing the energy of sag. There are four different primary names from the basic foundational name of God, the yud ke there are four different names, which all of which relate, or which to a certain degree relate, to this idea of extracting the spark that we were that we are really talking about here. The name of Ban is the source of the spark. The name of Ma is the power that extracts the spark, and the name of Sad, which is higher than Ma or Ban, is the original source of the sparks the original source. So the Rebbe is saying, I, I said that very briefly because that would be another whole long discussion, but just to understand what the Rebbe is saying here, that when you pray with all your might, the response is coming from the energy of Sag, which is the divine name that's the source of these 288 sparks of chaos that fell into our world. So this is explaining the point we were saying that your prayer can cause a release of the energies of chaos of the world of Tohu that fell into this world because you're now eliciting that power of God that's the source of all these sparks. And it all is parallel because right now when you're praying, you're expressing your soul's longing, your soul's love for God. And these sparks of chaos, of tohu, are coming their origin point where these divine attributes that were in such a state of infinite longing to become holy one with God that caused the shattering of those vessels. So your longing for God now, measure for measure, is extracting these sparks with their intense energies that also originate in 
a longing for God. And God says that's why we call prayer life of the moment. As versus Torah study, which is called eternal life. Now, when you look at it that way, it seems to be a knockdown for prayer. Oh, prayer is just temporary life. And Torah study is eternal life. And, and that could be true. It depends on what you're talking about here. But to understand why is because when one is praying, we're looking at the source. The source of time is the attribute of sovereignty, the tenth lowest attribute of the world of being. And that attribute of sovereignty is then descending into our world into all the lower worlds to animate them, all of these lower worlds that are also in the box we call time and in the box we call space. So since prayer brings God's energy into these lower worlds through their source, it's really through the time-related attribute of sovereignty. And therefore prayer is called life of the moment temporal existence. Torah study is called eternal life because it's not relating to these time-limited, constrained, bound realities. Torah is going higher. It's going to the six emotive attributes in the world of being, which are higher than the tenth attribute of sovereignty, and thus are beyond time. So, yet, Torah is going higher, but prayer coming, the energy coming into all this time-bound, space-bound realities is exactly what we want. Because we want that energy to come into our world. Because we want that energy to affect the changes we are praying for. So when we pray and really squeeze ourselves, our infinity is eliciting God's infinite response to come into our world and affect the change we're praying for. 